to talk about some things. Uh, this is a, just a good good day to deal with some things that we're dealing with, and I really appreciate Pastor just leading in with that. Uh, I want to thank God, too, for, for your prayers for my dad. Uh, the devil was really, really attacking him, um, not just physically, but mentally. Uh, he, was, he was having to take some medications that were really not causing him to be able to be like he was just now. I was just thanking God over there that he was talking like he was. And uh, when he's ornery, I know he's healthy. How many have noticed that? Amen. When he's not healthy, he's not ornery. I like him when he's a little bit ornery. Amen. We need that. So thank you for your prayers. He's getting, he's got where he needs to be on his medications and stuff and uh, physically. And so I just thank God for that. He's really, because uh, the best is yet to come. Amen. The best is yet to come for what God's going to do. We have a busy month, uh, July and August. We're going to really uh, believe that God is going to move mightily this summer. How many, how many will agree with me on that, that we're going to see a great harvest this summer? Amen. We're not going to sit back and watch time fly by and say, oh, we'll just wait till fall. We're going to see God move. And I believe this is a great picture right here of that God's moving because let me tell you something, we have a lot of people out of town today. We have a lot of leaders out of town. And it's still a lot of people here. So we're, we're making a statement that uh, we're going somewhere. So I'm going to share some vision this morning, uh, but I want to give a few quick announcements. We're going to be, um, one of the greatest things we can do for our church, you know, we got those stickers on the cars. And uh, anybody that doesn't have a sticker on their car that would like one, please let me know. Because it kind of gives our people an opportunity to know where we're at. Uh, we're in that day where it's advertising and stuff. We don't do a lot of, we don't do any advertising actually. Uh, we don't spend money on that, uh, word of mouth and evangelism is what we do, but we do have stickers, and we also do have t-shirts, um, and we don't do this very often, we don't push this a lot, but a lot of you have these, but these are really nice, and we have some of these left over that we need to get rid of so we can send the rest back, so if you don't have one of these, we have all sizes, Claudia, if you just raise your hand real quick over there, she's going to be in the, on the, in the welcome center after, and uh, it's really cool, reach, teach, send, which is our vision. Uh, really nice t-shirts, really good quality, and so we would love uh, for you to have one. Uh, they're normally 15. We're just going to sell them for 12, so all sizes we have them available. We also have some Victory Kids shirts available as well, so if you want one of those, it's a great witnessing tool. Sometimes you say, you know, I don't know how to say anything to somebody. Well, if you're wearing that, they might ask. We've got another one that I love that says set free, and uh, you can wear these things that cause people to ask a question, so please see Claudia after. Um, we're going to be sending our youth off tonight uh, at the PM service, so please come back. We're going to pray over them and anoint them and send them off tonight. They're going to be leaving uh, or before midnight to drive all night and get to camp. And, and then next Sunday uh, night, we're going to have a testimony service. You do not want to miss what all these teenagers are going to say when they come back from camp after a whole week of being there. Amen? So... Um, July, we've got uh, outreaches, we've got um, fellowship stuff going on. We are going to have a revival. How many like revivals? Amen. I was saved in a revival. I love revivals. I know if Dwayne was here, he'd be excited. He got saved on a Tuesday night of revival like I did. And uh, he, uh, Pastor Paul is going to be coming. We're going to have our head pastor of our fellowship right now. He'll be here with us the 23rd to the 26th. Okay, so mark that down. Uh, I did send out a text. If you're here and you're new and you don't get our text from our church stuff, please see me again. I want to get your number. I want to make sure that we get you in the system so that you can know what's going on. So today is the second, correct? So uh, exactly three weeks from today, we will kick off in the morning a revival and uh, some of y'all are wondering what in the world a revival is. Because this, this generation doesn't do it anymore, but we do. We're old school around here. Amen. We believe that there's a lot of good new stuff we can use, but we also believe there's a lot of good old stuff. And revival is one of them. And a revival is having, we start on Sunday morning, and then we come back on Sunday night, and then we get real radical and come back on Monday night. And we get crazy radical and come back on Tuesday night. And then we finish it up on Wednesday night. So we're in church for four, three straight days. It's four straight days. It's just crazy. That's just nuts, right? Radical. So you don't want to miss that. Begin to put it in your calendar. Begin to get off work, whatever you got to do to be here those three days. Because I know that's going to be God's timing uh, for Pastor Paul to be here and uh, minister to us and, and teach us uh, what the Lord's put on his heart. So um, I want to talk this morning in a second about speaking to your mountain, Okay. So that's going to be the title of the sermon.
But I want to share uh, today, as, as you came in, unless you're blind, um, you, you, you might have missed something out front really important. Uh, our sign is gone. Uh, and it's not a good sign, amen, that is gone. But it's, it is in, in another way because I know that God is moving. About four or five weeks ago, I don't remember the exact date, I stood up here and told you that I had had some construction workers come and tell me that they were going to remove our sign. And so um, they never gave me a date. They never gave me an exact anything. And so I had to begin, never gave me a card, never had me sign anything, nothing. It was just verbal. And uh, so I began to talk to the owner of the building. We don't own this building. We rent it. I began to talk to construction workers. I began to talk to Texas, Texas Department of Transportation uh, to find out, you know, first and foremost, if this was even real. You know, someone comes and tells you they're going to tear down something in your house. Um, you got to find out if it's real. Never could get clarification ever uh, that it was real other than that verbal thing. Um, so I continued to call, continued to, to uh, check on things, and you know, we've been here in this building now for eight or nine years. And for the entire eight or nine years we've been here, they've told us they're going to widen this road. So have you ever heard of cry, crying wolf? Well, I felt like they were crying wolf again. And I didn't really know exactly how long it would be. And so I was afraid to take our sign down and then it sit there for six months and not be down. And so I was uh, making sure that we had uh, ample time to know what was going to happen so that we could leave it up as long as we could. Well, I really feel like we were attacked uh, this week because uh, had talks in with the owner. Owner never heard anything. Had talks in with the construction workers on this side of the bridge and the construction workers here. Gave my phone number and card to the foreman. Had a, had a call into the guy who acts somehow the Lord led me to talk to the actual guy who came by that day. He had my number. So all these people had my number, and I said, please give me a day's advance. All I need is one day's advance. Get up there and pull those banners down. And many of you know that we, in the beginning of the year, we did fundraisers and we put brand new signs up. If you've been coming here very long, you know that. And we had brand new signs and probably about $2,000 worth of banners between the top and the bottom, paint, lights, wood, marquee, all these different things. So I really feel like it was a, a, an attack of the enemy because we were ambushed. Um, they did not give me any warning at all. And I got a call from Nestor Thursday afternoon. And he said, did you know the sign's gone? And immediately two emotions came in. The first one was anger, real anger. The second one was peace. I had a peace come over me that, is, that can only come from God. I was very upset, couldn't believe it. I said, he said that his son had driven by and saw it. I said, can you please go up there and confirm it? They live down the street. Calls you back about 20 minutes later, says it's gone. Not only did they take the sign down, they absolutely destroyed the sign. Like they cut it into pieces. And I feel like anybody with common sense uh, as a construction worker was pulling that sign down could have realized those were new banners. Took 10 minutes to pull the screws off and lay it at the front of our door. How many are with me on that? I don't care if it's your job. I don't care if they're telling you what to do. Anybody, I feel like with common sense would have done that. So I really feel like it was an attack of the enemy on us. And, and on top of that, it was, a, it, again, no warning at all from the owner. No, owner never got a call. I still don't understand that. So I'm, I'm trying to sort these things out right now because to me it seems very strange that you could just come tear a sign down that's been here for 35 years without one signature being signed, even by the owner of the building, and nothing like that, uh, paper trail or anything. So I really feel like it was an attack of the enemy. But I want to talk this morning about how God can turn that around. Um, but I do want you to know from me that I was not just sitting back being lazy, not wanting to take the sign down. Uh, me and Nestor had talked many times. We said we got to be ready. We'd even planned on a Thursday to do it. And, and the really crazy thing is I'm here, except for Monday, I'm here every single day before 7 o'clock in the morning. It just so happened that Thursday uh, I coached uh, high school basketball in the fall just for a few months, and I had to go fill in for the high school coach one day for an open gym down in Grapevine. So the one day that I wasn't here is when they came. I don't know if that was good or bad. I was joking with Pastor Dylan. He probably said it was good that I wasn't here. I might have been in jail. I don't know what would have happened. I don't know how I would have handled it. I don't know. God knows why I wasn't here. But I do know that it was an attack of the enemy and the way it happened. And I do know that God is going to take this attack and turn it into something good. Amen. How many believe that this morning? So that's God's property. That's God's money that they destroyed, 
And I know that even though I love that sign, God's going to give us something better. I did uh, have that immediate peace for, uh, Thursday night, and then it, it turned into um, some depression on Friday. I came around the corner, coming to discipleship. We have discipleship at 530 in the morning every Friday. I came around the corner, as I have for nine years, and my stomach just, you know, just hurt, and my heart fell as I didn't see the sign as many of you might have done that this morning. You're so used to just coming around the corner and seeing that big Jesus sign. You know, I really feel like there's a lot of people who do not like that Jesus sign. You know, as much as we're uh, sad this morning, I believe there's some demonic forces that are rejoicing that that sign is gone. But how many know that the Jesus that lives inside of us cannot be taken away or destroyed? Amen? They can destroy our Jesus sign, but they cannot destroy the Jesus that lives inside of us. And so I believe there's a mountain in front of us this morning, and we're going to cause that mountain to be removed. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 21, if you would, verse 1. And I'm going to speak this message and kind of just encourage us this morning as I encourage myself that God is still on the throne and he's moving. And uh, four or five weeks ago, as I said, when I shared this message, I, I said I, I believe that this is God showing us it's time for a new building, and now more than ever, I believe that's the case, as you noticed outside, that is, that is only going to get worse, that they've already cut a huge V into our parking lot, um, and, and, and it's already going to cause problems, especially on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, when we have to share more with JR Pockets and Smokehouse. So um, I really need to ask you as a, as a body this morning, and I want to thank those that have been telling me that they've been praying for me and lifting me up, I really appreciate that, and, and uh, thank you for that. Let's, let's pray, let's come together. Let's begin to, to declare and speak that building that God has for us into existence. And I do want to tell you this, it's going to be a miracle. It's, and I don't just say that because it sounds good. It's going to be a miracle. Uh, there are no buildings, hardly, even available, um, that I even know of, been searching for months. And on top of that, the ones that are available are twice to three times as much a month as we pay right now. So it's going to be a miracle. But guess what? We have a God who does miracles. So we're, we're in good shape. Amen. Matthew 21 verse 1 says, Jesus answered and said to them, Surely I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but you will also say to this mountain, be removed. Are you in Matthew 21 verse 1? Is that the wrong verse? Okay. Well, that's what I have in my notes. 2121. Typo, thank you. Amen. That's why we bring our Bibles. You will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Father, we thank you for the next few minutes, first and foremost, for bringing us together as a family this morning for bringing us together as a body of believers, Lord, that have a vision this morning for this city and for this world. Father, we thank you for everything you've done to this day. Lord, everything you've uh, done to show us your power, to show us that your hand is upon us. And Lord, we, we come together this morning and declare that there is no weapon that forms against us that can prosper. We declare this morning, Lord, that we greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And we declare this morning also, God, that there are more for us and behind us and with us than there are against us this morning. And, Lord, we thank you that your power and your word is going to come alive in us this morning. And we're going to have the spirit of David, Father. And we're going to have a spirit of faith. And we're going to be able to speak not only to this mountain of our church, Lord, this morning, but the mountain that any one of us are going through personally in our lives. And, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And you have no power and no authority, and you are defeated at every angle and from every direction. And we command you to flee in seven directions this morning because Jesus is alive and on the throne this morning, and he's the resurrected king. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So we know this story, and we understand that Jesus says that there's power in our words. So I want you to think about some things this morning. We understand that when he says that, it's not a literal, physical mountain. He's talking about a mountain that is an obstacle. He's talking about something in front of us 
that is keeping us from getting to where we're supposed to go. That's the mountain that, that Jesus is talking about. And it means literally just something that's in our way. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus can't command or cause through our works and prayers to see a literal mountain move. It can be literal. But we understand that there's mountains that the enemy places in front of us and many times mountains that God allows to be in front of us. I want to remind you, I was reminded of this this morning myself, um, that we, a couple of three weeks ago, I shared the story of my testimony in Costa Rica when I hit that police officer, or actually the police officer hit me, if you all remember that. Let me see your hand if you remember that story. Okay, most of you, so I'm not going to tell the whole story again, but uh, I, I, I'm reminded this morning by God that when that tragedy happened and, and that police officer hit my car and, and all the bad things that took place uh, began to go through my mind, he reminded me this morning, I, that happened, but look how it, fit, how it worked out. And I feel like this with the sign and the situation with the building is going to be the same way. Um, this, is a, this is an attack. This is something that's caught us off guard. This is something that uh, we're, 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 we're happened really unexpectedly. But I believe that, and no, not just believe, I know that God is going to do something amazing. And I believe there's going to be an amazing story, an amazing testimony behind this. Amen. How many believe that with me this morning? God is going to do something that is going to be so amazing that we're just going to sit back and laugh at it after. Amen. And, and I do want to encourage any of you, you know, we, we all have contacts. And I, want to, I, want to, I would love to see God open a door, and he needs us to work with him to somehow find somebody in the newspaper. I tried calling Friday. The one bad thing about the newspaper nowadays is it's kind of antiquated, and they don't have a whole lot of people working there anymore, so I couldn't get a hold of anybody. But I'd like to see some the news or the newspaper or somebody do a story about what happened with our sign. And I don't even care. I'm not even having trying to have ill will towards the city. They, they do enough bad themselves to have a bad name anyways. We don't need to help them, amen. People are always talking about how unorganized they are. I don't care about the ill will of that. I want people to know that we need a building. And, and somebody's out there that's got money, and somebody's out there that's got a building, somebody's out there that's got the place that we need, but they're not going to know about it if we don't tell our story. So be praying with me this morning and be asking if you've got a contact or somebody. Uh, these are things that can be shared on Facebook. Several have already done that. You just never know that one person. How many know this morning that there are a lot of people who have a lot of things and they're just looking for places to put it and things to do with it? There's a lot of money. God has a lot of money. And the Bible even tells us that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And so we, we know that the vision that we have this morning is of God, and he's going to continue to provide, but we need to work together in that. So just, just please let me know of anything that comes uh, to your mind on that. What we need to do this morning is this. We need to stop talking about the mountain and speak to the mountain. Now, th th again, this is a twofold message. One is us as a church and a vision and a body, you know, looking for the next step that God has for us. But then at the same time, it's also for you and your life and the situation you're facing, the mountain that you're facing in your finances, the mountain that you're facing in your physical health, the mountain you're facing maybe in your family. Whatever it is, I want you to understand that the more you talk about your situation, the bigger and worse it gets. How many have ever heard the saying, don't make a mountain out of a molehill? You know what happens when you talk about the problem and you just say, oh, and oh, and oh, this is bad, and oh, what's going to happen, and oh, how's this going to work out, and oh, and you just, you just keep talking about that thing, and as you talk about it, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and it doesn't get better, it gets worse. And so if you're taking notes this morning, if you don't get anything out of this message, I want you to write this down. I'm going to start speaking to my mountain, not about the mountain. We're going to speak to the mountain, and we're going to speak to the circumstances, and we're going to believe that God is bigger. I want you to think without going there this morning about the story of David and Goliath. You know, Goliath was a big man. There's no doubt. Eight, nine feet tall, probably nine and a half feet tall, tall, big dude, huge. But every day he would come out and he would challenge those, those Israelites and he would say, who of you is strong enough to fight me? And he would, he, would, he would call them out and he would say, if any of you can destroy me, 
we'll, you will be your slaves, and if you, if you destroy us, we'll, and vice versa, and they went back and forth. But David kept, or sorry, Goliath kept challenging them and speaking to them. And a lot of times you are facing circumstances in your life that are just yelling at you and telling you over and over again, you're defeated. You're lost. You, you're not going to make it. You're not going to finish. You're not going to, you're not, you're not going to amount to anything or, or that this bill, or this problem is going to overcome you. And how many know the devil is just barking every day and using his demons of darkness just to speak doubt into your ears. And he, and he takes that situation that's a, that is a bad situation. It's not to take away, but it may, he tries to make it bigger than it is. A devil got a magnifying glass. Just stick it right up at your eye and put it right in front of you, and it'll make that thing look so big. Listen, Goliath was a big man, but listen closely. Every day that Goliath went out, and every day Goliath defied the, the enemy, and every day that Goliath said, hey, I'll fight you today. Somebody come fight me. Every time he did that, guess what? And nobody, and nobody stood up. Guess what happened? Goliath grew. Goliath grew, not, not really, not literally, but in their minds. Every day that he stood out there and defied them and told them that they, were, they weren't going to beat him, they would go back and say, I'm telling you, one day when the first day it happened, they said, man, this guy is nine feet tall. He has, he has these big old muscles. He has two eyes, and, and, and he's, 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 he's humongous. He's going to kill us. He's going to destroy us. And they defied him. No one did anything. Everybody hushed back and shied away. Guess what? The next day, they went back to the camp, and they said, this guy's got three arms, four eyes. He's 10 feet tall. He has five swords. How many are following what I'm saying? Every day. You ever heard a story like that? How many have ever played phone book? Phone, what is it called? Yeah, that. Hey, phone book works too. Telephone. You can tell how long it's been since I played it. How many have ever played telephone? You get about 15, 20 people, and you tell them a little story, and by the time it gets to the end, it's totally changed. Not the same animal, not the same anything, right? And that's the same way it happens with a story. People keep going back, and they keep adding things, and they keep saying things, and we can't, that's what happens a lot of times with our circumstances. You know, if you've got a bill that you need to pay, that amount's not going to change. But you need to change in your mind. If you've got a, a, a mountain that you're facing, that mountain isn't, isn't literally physically growing, but your circumstances are, and you're, you're ignoring it and not speaking to it. You're talking about it, and so you're just piling on more and more problem to it, and it's not getting smaller. It's getting bigger. Is anybody following what I'm saying? Well, I've, I've been without a job for a long time, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get a job. And now that job situation turns into months. It turns into years. Well, I, I got a doctor's report. And, and I just, man, you know, it went from, from having a, a cyst to all of a sudden I've got four stage, stage four cancer. I mean, that's how it goes. That doesn't mean that, that cyst can't turn into cancer. It means we need to stop talking about the situation and stop talking to the situation and using God's word as the power of our, of our hands because he's bigger. You know, we talk about how many people do they talk about the status of our country? Blah, blah, blah. Everybody talks. How many people pray? Everybody complains about the government, complains about the economy, and complains about all these things. But when was the last time we went to our knees and prayed about these things and said, God, I'm going to speak life over my country. I'm going to speak life over our leaders. I'm going to speak life over these people. Stop talking about it. Stop talking to it. Start talking to it. Amen. Family members, I know nobody in here talks about your family members. I know everybody in here's family members are perfect. We all have that somebody in our family, right? And some people got more than one. We talk about them. Oh, they're so messed up. Oh, they're so lost. Oh, they're so this, and oh, they're so that. We, we talk about them, we talk about them, we talk about them, but maybe something would change if we'd start talking to God about them instead of about them to other people. You know what? So many times people come and tell me so-and-so this and so-and-so that, and I ask them the question, have you prayed for them? Have you prayed for them? 
Why are you telling me about them? I can't change them. You know you can't change your spouse. You know you can't change some, you can't change somebody. But so we're sitting here talking about the situation instead of talking to the one who's able to change somebody's life this morning. Stop talking about the situation and start talking to the God who changes situations. Amen. Speak to the mountain. My kids, family. It gets bigger and bigger. Listen, I want you to write this down. That mountain that was a hill can turn into Mount Everest. The longer you speak about it, the bigger it gets. Go with me to Zechariah chapter 4, if you would. Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. And I, and I, wanted, I want you to know as you're going there this morning that I'm not preaching to you or at you. I'm preaching to me first. Because I have to encourage myself this morning. I have to tell myself God's in control. I have to tell myself God's going to move. Amen? You know, I've said this before over the years. It's sometimes you can think that things look easy. But you know, and I don't say this in any way boastfully. I say it fearfully. My name's on everything in this church. I'm the one that's got to that's got to own up to the bills at the end of the day, so I have to I have to have God remind me that even though my name's on the bills, it's still His church. Can I get a better amen on that? Would anybody like to transfer the name to your name? I didn't see anybody say I'll take it. Amen. We like to come to church and we like to enjoy the nice seats and the nice building, but no one's ever told me, "Hey, can I take the church stuff in my name?" Right? It's a responsibility, but it's not my church. That sign they took out there is not my sign. These chairs aren't mine. This building's not mine. It's God's. And so I have to remind myself, I got to stop talking about the situation, and I got to start talking to the situation. I got to start talking, stop talking about the fact that we need a new building and start speaking the new building into existence. Come on, amen. So I need you to understand I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. This is a message for all of us. So Zechariah chapter 4, you know, the word of God is medicine to us this morning. He says in verse 6, so he answered and said, this is the word of the Lord. How many love it when God said, this is my word? I love to hear his word. He says, this is the word of the Lord. To Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but what? Can somebody finish that for me? But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This battle we're in this morning is not a physical battle. It's not a financial battle. Even though we need finances for a building, even though we need a physical place to meet, this is a spiritual battle. And, and, and the way that God is going to open up the doors for us this morning is us speaking spiritually the things that are not as though they were, speaking them into existence. And so I need you to join with me because this is not my church. This is our church. This is not my church. This is God's church. Amen. This is the place that he's put us to work together as a family, and we're going to declare these things. And I look what verse 7 says. He says, who are you, O great mountain? I want you to think of your problem this morning, and I want you to say, who are you to that problem? Because for too long we've been saying, man, you sure are a problem, right? Don't we give too much credit to our problems? Don't we give too much credit to Satan? Now, listen, I understand there's a balance. We have to understand. You do have to understand he's real. It's not, it's not just you just ignore him, he goes away. But we, we give too much credit to Satan. And let me tell you something. A lot of times Satan doesn't have anything to do with it, but, he, but, we, but we blame him and he'll take, he takes the credit. So I'll take it because that's the kind of person he is. But we need to understand, we can speak to that physical thing this morning. I had a friend of mine call yesterday who I know, I've known for many years in Colorado, and I was very, very close friends with her husband. Her husband passed away about three years ago. He was a great, great friend of mine for many years. They supported our ministry when we were in Costa Rica. He passed away. She called me yesterday and, and cry, crying on the phone and said, I need you to pray for my oldest daughter. She's just been told she's got stage four cancer in her colon. But you know what was such a blessing? 
she, how many know that when you get some real bad news, listen closely, real bad news, you need to have somebody that you can talk to that's going to give you some real prayer. How many know we need people like that? You've got to have some people in your life. Listen, I don't need someone to tell me things. I need somebody, I need people to do things. I don't need people to tell me, I'll pray for you. I need people to pray for me. You've got to have some people in your life that when you're in trouble, you can call and you know they'll pray. And she cried on that phone, and she said, I, she said, I, and, and what, I loved, what I loved about it was she was speaking with a boldness as a mom. She said, I am not going to allow Satan to take my daughter from me. And she rose up with a spirit of fight in her, and she spoke to that mountain. She said, I'm not going to accept, accept this news. I'm not going to accept the doctor's report. She said, I'm going to believe it's a lie, and we're going to get a second opinion, and we're going to go back, and that, that tumor's going to be gone. How many of you, that's what you got to do? You can't talk about it. you got to talk to it. What, what mountain? Who are you? Who are you? And, and not, not, not in a prideful way, in a serious way, in a, in a way of faith, you say, what, who are you, great mountain? Verse 7, before Zerubbabel, watch this, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone which shouts grace, grace to it. We need to be able to see that mountain destroyed. We need to see that mountain totally taken care of and out of the way so that we can march in to what God wants us to march into. Everybody's talking about the Goliath, but nobody's talking to Goliath. And one day, David does what I need to do and you need to do and we all need to do. We need to stop talking about Goliath and we need to start talking to Goliath. David says, I am sick and tired of hearing you talk about my people and talk about what you're going to do to us. He says, you come at me with the sword, but I come at you with the power of the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. How many know that we've got the Lord God Almighty on our side, and we're not fighting the city, and we're not fighting people. We're fighting the devil, and greater is he that is in us than the devil that's outside in this world. David said, I've had enough. I'm tired of talking about him. I'm going to do something, and I'm going to die if I have to. But I'm going to tell David to shut up. Tell the devil, shut up. In Jesus' name, I'm hearing you no more. I'm not listening to you no more. Listen, if you don't get on the offensive, you will live on the defensive. The enemy will keep pushing you back and back and back until you fall down. If you let him push, he'll push. We talk about the things we won't recover from. We talk about, listen, I know people who all they talk about is their past. Somebody listen to me this morning. You will never have a future until you stop talking about your past. Well, what I, I did this, and I did that, and I had this, and I had that, and I lost this, and I lost that. You have no future in your past. Some of you need to stop talking about what you've lost and start talking about what God has for you for gain. Amen. The past is over. Quit living in the past, good or bad. Good or bad. Oh, the good old days. Well, the good old days are gone. What about today? We need to have a new testimony. We need to have something that comes upon us that's called righteous anger. I know the ladies don't have a problem with that. Amen. Ladies have no problem with righteous anger. Amen. We talk about these things, and we need to get something. In, you know the Bible says, be angry and sin not. When I got mad the other day, I, w- I had a righteous anger. The Bible says we can get mad, especially when it comes to the things of God. And I've told you this before. Listen, in this place, if we can look up at the screen and look at some of your past, I believe some of you knew how, I've said it before, some of y'all knew how to defend yourselves. Some of you knew how to use your hands and put them on other people. And it was a laying on of hands that wasn't spiritual. Amen? But what, cr- what cracks me up is when somebody gets saved and then they turn into a spiritual sissy. They used to fight, and they used to, hey, what, what are you talking about? And then the devil barks at you, and you back down. 
Well, God's, God wants you to have that same tenacity. Like, what would you say? Who are you talking to? Don't you know the God I serve? Don't you know the Jesus that died on the cross for my sin? You need to stop talking to me like that and get a righteous anger and stop backing down from everything and letting the devil just run you over. He's defeated this morning. We get angry at people. We get angry at people. We get angry at coworkers. But that's not our adversary. Aren't we good at saying mean things to people? Aren't we good at getting angry at people, but then we just let the devil slide on everything? We need to get angry at the devil. You know what? Before David slung that rock, listen, he said, you're coming at me with all them muscles. You're coming at me with all that size. You're coming at me with all. I, I love the part when they went to put the, ar- the armor on him, and he said, I can't do this. This is too heavy. I won't be able to lift up my slingshot. He said, I, I'm not going in my power anyways. He says, take this stuff away. I need to be able to be free. He says, Goliath, you've got this big old sword. You've got this big old armor. He said, you got all this stuff. He said, but I'm not coming at you with stuff. He said, I'm coming at you with the word of the Lord. If you come at the devil with the word of the Lord, the Bible says the enemies have to flee. They will run. They're not afraid of you, but they're afraid of the Jesus that lives inside of you. Because the Bible says if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. And we need some people here this morning to rise up. I can't do this by myself. I need some men and women that inside, you might not look like much on the outside, but inside you are a knight in shining armor because you know how to get on your knees and you know how to pray and you know how to speak things into existence. I'm calling some of you older, elder people in the Lord, not even by age, but that know how to see God move and have seen his hand move. I need you to get the rust off and start praying like you used to pray back in the day because God's not done with you. He's just beginning and the greatest move of God is still yet to come. Does anybody believe that this morning? We haven't seen the greatest move of God yet. It's still on the way. And you can be sure when all these things begin to happen, God is in the midst. God is doing something. We cannot win if we are in fear. How many have ever seen those boxers before they fight? They get up in each other's face and they look in each other's face and their face tells the other person, I'm going to tear your head off. I'm going to win this fight. I'm not afraid of you. And they got their fists clenched. We need to get that boxer face this morning. Amen. We need to stop backing down and we need to push forward. But you cannot go forward if your past has you shackled. Your past is a shackle. Some of you in here this morning are, are, are on the edge of your seat spiritually. And you're saying, oh, there's something rising up in me again. I I feel like I used to feel back in the day when I was spiritually younger. Something inside of you saying, I want to fight again. The awesome thing about serving God is it's not about the size of the fight in the dog. It's the size of the dog in the fight. Wrong. No, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Did you hear me? We think, oh, it's got to be the big old dog. You ever seen a chihuahua bark at a Rottweiler? Those little dogs ain't afraid. We need to get some fight in us and understand that we can bark back at the devil. All he's doing is barking at us. It don't matter how big that dog is. Some of you in here are small on the outside, but inside of you there is a mighty woman and man of God that God is just saying, I need you to get up again. I need you to start fighting like you used to fight. I'm not done with you yet. Come on, somebody grab that. I know I'm talking to somebody who's, who's wanting to just push the rust off. You used to be used by God, but the past is over. Get those shackles off. And if you'll cut that chain this morning and say, I'm not looking back to the past anymore. I'm going to start looking forward to the future. Those chains will bounce off, and you'll begin to advance. You'll begin to go forward. You'll begin to do something for God. You know, here's an example. uh, Think of a soldier in Iraq in the war. And all of a sudden, things begin to get real ugly. This is what we do a lot of times. Now, I know this couldn't literally happen. Let's just imagine it could. This soldier gets his cell phone and calls up his commander back home. I need you to come get me. It's ugly here. Can you imagine? Can you imagine all all of a sudden all these soldiers are calling home? Commander, I I can't handle this. Can you come get me? What's that that commander going to tell that soldier? 
No, I'm not coming to get you. You know what he's going to tell them? I trained you for this. Fight. Go fight. A lot of times we start talking to the circumstances. We start talking to our past. We start talking to friends, but we don't talk to God. If we would look up at God and say, God, what do I do? He'd say, get in there and fight because I've given you the weapons that you need. I've given you the strength you need. I've given you my spirit. Amen. Somebody's going to get this, or I'm going to preach it to the wall. Amen. Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. For assuredly, and when you see the word assuredly, it means without a doubt. He says, I say to you, and here we go, whoever says to this mountain. See, some of you in here were thinking, well, nah, they're not talking to me. Yeah, whoever means you. Whoever means you. Whoever would speak to this mountain and say, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. How many know if we want to be warriors for God, we've got to fight like God? How, how, how quickly we can forget that we are not serving some dead God? Now I want to ask you a question. Has anybody in here, be honest, has anybody in here ever seen God do something supernatural for you? Let me see your hand. Keep it up. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. He's not dead. He's alive. He will do it again. And the Bible tells me that, in the, that, that, that at the end of, the, of this race, we're going to see greater things. Now, if you haven't, if you didn't raise your hand, today's your day to see God do something. Today's your day to be able to say, I want to be that person that can raise their hand. Because uh, however many years ago, you were that person that just raised your hand. You were that person that couldn't raise their hand because they'd never seen God do something. I cannot retract. I cannot go back. No matter how much I want to quit, I can't because I've seen God do too much. There was a man named Jeremiah in the Bible, and he was getting hit from every side. And he was feeling like, I can't do this no more. And as a matter of fact, he threw the towel in. And he said, I'm done. And then all of a sudden, as he's walking away, his legs began to shake. And then his, his body began to shake, and the Bible says, I tried to quit, but all of a sudden there was a fire shut up in my bones, and I could not stop preaching the gospel. When God has done something for you, you cannot quickly forget what he's done. He'll remind you, and he'll tell you, I, I not only want to do it again, but I want to do it better. When there's a struggle, when there's a trial, when there's something that violates you that happens, you can be for sure something better is on the other side. Did anybody catch that? If you've been saved, see, that's what's awesome, the dynamic of a church, because you got babies in the Lord and you got veterans in the Lord. You got people, it's just like teams. Those rookies, they're good and they have talent, but they don't know how to win. They don't know how to go through a season. They need those veterans that have been through it before to say, hey, we can make it. Be in a game. I've been in games and sports before where we're way down. And I tell the guys, hey, this game ain't over until the last point. Go to 15 in the game, be down 12 to 2, still win. Because until they get that last point, they haven't won. You might feel this morning like you're defeated, like the game's over. But as long as you're still in the game, you cannot lose. You cannot lose the game. Listen closely. I'm closing. In Genesis 1, God did not speak about things. He spoke two things. He said, let there be light. Let there be light, and it happened. It was dark. He said, let there be light. Listen, I want you to write this down. He spoke to chaos, and there became order. He spoke to chaos, and there became order. If you want to see something happen in your life, you need to start opening your mouth. But not with words of doubt, but with words of faith. Faith. He said, if you believe in your heart and speak to that mountain. He did not say speak about it. He did not say think about it. He said speak to it. You need to begin to speak to it. He said, the Bible says he spoke to darkness and there was light. He spoke to emptiness and overflow came. Hebrews 13, 21. This will be the last verse this morning. I want you to write this down. 
You don't have to look at it for time, but listen to this verse, Hebrews 13, 21. This is God's word. Jesus makes you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Can I say that again? Jesus makes you complete. You know what that means? That means everything you need this morning to defeat the enemy you already have. Let me make a statement of faith. Everything we need to be in a bigger building in a better place, we already have. We're not waiting for it. We have it. But we have to speak it into existence. Amen? We have to understand that God, when he calls uh, something to happen and he says, I'm going to do something, he is the one who provides. He is the one who brings forth what is a mountain in a believer's life. It's, it, listen, it's anything that's a barrier to you completing God's will. Anything. A mountain is anything that slows down or impedes the progress of the kingdom of God. Many, pe- many believers spend time praying to God about their mountain. Listen closely. You can pray to God and be like, man, I spent prayer in that. And I'm telling you, I'm speaking to myself on this. Don't talk to God about the mountain. He knows about it. God's up there saying, can you get past the description, please? I know. Can you tell me what I need to do? Because I move by action. I move by faith. I'm not pleased with you telling me about the mountain. Oh, somebody's going to get this. God doesn't get any glory with you telling him, man, did you know how bad my bills are? Man, did you know that I need a better job? Man, did you know God's up there saying, I know, and I'd love to do something, but, my, but I said in my word, and, I, and my words don't come back void, and I can't lie. So once you stop talking about it and start speaking to it, then I can do something. Please stop talking about it. He's just begging us and waiting. He says, I, my, I move by, by faith. And if you don't have faith, it's impossible to please me. So I'm really glad you're praying, but I need you to start speaking. Not about it, but to it. Someone's going to get this, and you're going to see victory. We need to stop looking for God's bailout. God, bail me out. God has all the power in the world, but he's looking for faith. You know when he's pleased? When we believe. He's not pleased when we assess the situation and tell him something he already knows. He's pleased when we say, you know what, this looks real bad, God, but I know you got this. I know you got this. I can't see a way out. I can't see the answer, but I know you got this, God. I know that you're in control. And as a matter of fact, God, I just want to remind you that I'm just going to continue to believe. And I actually know that you've done this before, so I know you do it again. And I know that you're going to take this horrible situation like Joseph said to his brothers. You've intended this for evil, but God's going to turn this into good. See, Joseph fell into that pit. Joseph was put into slavery. Joseph went into prison. Joseph went through all these things, but he was going through all those things going, you know what? I know that God spoke a word to me that one day my brothers would bow down. And I'm going to keep that word. And I'm going to believe it until it happens. Amen. Let's, let me, I, I thought I said that was my last verse. I'm going to give you one more. Luke 8. Verse 22. I'm not going to read the whole story. Many of you know this, but you can read it later. They're on the boat. Storm comes. Rain comes. Waves begin to crash. They run down to Jesus. He's asleep. They wake him up. Master, Master, listen, we're perishing. That's what they were doing. They were telling them about the storm. We're perishing. So they were analyzing. This is something I have to fight. Don't analyze. We don't have a lot of times what we want in God because we analyze too much. We don't have to, God's not looking for analyzation. He's looking for faith. Pure faith. And usually when, when you analyze All you're doing is maximizing the problem, and you're probably making it worse than it is anyways. 
instead of just sitting back and saying, God, you got this. Jesus gets up and rebukes the storm and says, peace be still. And then he says, where is your faith? And they get afraid and they marvel and they say, who can this be? For he even commands the wind and the water and they obey him. So if the winds and the water obey him, why don't we start speaking to the winds and the water? Why don't we start speaking to the mountain instead of about it? Amen. I want to read a story. Um, I've got a bunch more verses I'm not going to get into this morning. But I want to read a story that I think is really fitting. I read it several years ago, so most of you probably haven't heard it. How many of you have ever heard of Corey Tinboom? She was a missionary. She was, she was alive during the time of Hitler, during the Holocaust. And she, she wrote this story. It was so powerful. And it really spoke to me because she called it, Thank You for the Fleas. Thank You for the Fleas. Now, has anybody in here ever been thankful for fleas? And the reason I want to read this is because with our situation and with any situation you're going through, sometimes things happen. Not sometimes, most of the time things happen that don't make sense. And it's confusing. You think, why? Why, God, would you let them take our sign? Why, why this? And, and again, whatever your situation, you're, why? And God's always working. But he works in mysterious ways. And he doesn't move like we move. And so she tells this story, and it's a quick story. She says that uh, they were in the Nazi camp, imprisoned by the Nazis, hiding the Jews in, uh, in, the, in the wall of Holland. They were hiding people, and then they got caught. She says she was in the eight, barracks 8, which was the quarantine compound. She says next to us, perhaps deliberately as a warning to newcomers, were the punishment barracks. She says, from those barracks right next to us, all day long, and I want, you to, I want you just to picture this with me, and I want you just to listen to this story. I want you to put yourself there. All day long and often into the night came the sounds of hell itself. They were not the sounds of anger or human emotion, but of cruelty altogether. Blows landing in regular rhythm. Screams all night long. We would stand in our, in our ten deep ranks with our hands trembling at our side, longing to jam them against our ears to make these noises stop. It grew harder and harder. Even within these four walls, there was too much misery, too much seemingly pointless suffering. Every day, something failed to make sense. Every day, something else grew worse. Yet... In the midst of the suffering, the woman prisoners around Corey and her friend Betsy found comfort in the Bible studies they would do in the barracks. Corey writes that they gathered around the Bible, listen, like a cluster of, of people around a blazing fire. She says, the blacker the night grew around us, the brighter and truer and more real the word of God became. Can somebody catch that right there? the more real the word of God became. When they were moved to barracks 28, Corey was horrified by the fact that their reeking straw bed platforms called beds swarmed with fleas. How could they live in such a place? It was Betsy who discovered God's answer. Rejoice always. Pray constantly and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about these barracks. I stared at her, and then I stared at the foul, dark room. I thought, how can we thank God for this? But she said, let's do it. They thank God for the fact that they were together. They thank God for the fact that they had a Bible. They even thank God for the horrible crowd of prisoners, that more people would be able to hear God's word. And then, watch this, Betsy 
thank God for the fleas. The fleas, Corey Timboom says, that's too much. There's no way God's going to make me grateful for a flea. She says, give thanks in all circumstances. She says it doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. So we stood between the tiers of bunks and gave thanks for the fleas. This time I thought for sure Betsy had lost her mind. It turned out that Betsy was not wrong. The fleas were such a nuisance, but a blessing after all. The women were able to have Bible studies in the barracks with a great deal of freedom, never bothered by the supervisors harassing them. They finally discovered that it was the fleas that kept the supervisors out. Through the fleas, God protected those women. And because the flea manifestation was so bad in there, they never came in and beat them. They never came in and told them they couldn't do a Bible study, and they never messed with them. And they had a great revival in those barracks because of fleas. Musicians, you can come. So I first of all, I thank God that our problem is not even comparable to that. You know, when you really begin to feel like you're going through something really bad, read somebody else's story. Think about Corey Tinboom in those barracks in the Holocaust, being attacked and all those things, and, and finding a way to be thankful for fleas and understanding what that word said, give God thanks in all circumstances. Amen. Let's bow our heads. God, it's a sobering thought to think that we could be thankful for fleas. I would be rest assured this morning that most of us in this place are not dealing with anything that bad. It's not to take away from the situation someone might be in or the problem somebody's facing or the pain or the suffering. But Lord, your word is teaching us this morning and reminding us this morning that you did not say to speak about the mountain, but you said to speak to the mountain. And Lord, I go on record this morning that I will remind myself that I'm going to speak to the mountain and not about it. And I'm going to see the best part of my life come to pass. I'm going to see the most fruit that I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to see the greatest move of God I've ever seen because I'm going to speak it into existence. I'm not going to look at my circumstances. I'm not going to look at loss. And if I do have loss, I will count it as gain, as Paul did in the Bible. Everything I have, I count it as loss so that Christ will be glorified in my life. Today, Lord, as a church and as a body of believers, we we're faced with a situation, Lord, and we are believing and trusting and speaking to the mountain that's before us of no buildings being available, of if there are buildings, them being very expensive, but trusting and knowing that, God, you're a miracle-working God. And just as when we moved into this building by faith, you have another building for us that's going to be the place, God, where you're going to reach the most people. Souls will come behind that move. And God, until that day that we move, we will continue to preach your gospel here. We will continue to deal with the parking problem. And we will be thankful for it because we know there's a reason why it's there. There's a reason why the sign is gone. All these things will work together for good by faith. We don't understand everything. We don't, we don't have a clarity on everything, but we do know this, that you are God and you are on the throne and this is your church. And you said to Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. And so, Lord, this morning we thank you that as a body of believers together we can stand. We can agree together. I want to sing that song, How Great Is Our God, again, that we sang at the end of the service this morning because I want us to proclaim how great He is.
As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to say one more prayer. I want to ask you this morning all over this place. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You might have a mountain in your life that you need removed from you this morning. And I'll tell you that if you don't know it, the greatest mountain before you right now is an eternal mountain. Separation from God. We are born into sin. We are born lost. We're born with an impure heart. We need a heart transplant when we're born. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted the love of Jesus Christ and never uh, understood that he died on the cross for your sins and became sin for you, that today you can be saved. The Bible says today is the acceptable day of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. I don't want anybody to walk out of this place this morning without knowing that you're saved, without knowing that, you're, that you have eternal life. Let me tell you something. God is so good. He loves you so much. He has a plan and a purpose for you, and you might be here saying, yeah, but you don't know how much I've messed up, how many, how many mistakes I've made, how many times I've turned my back. I tell you this, your past has no future. Your past is exactly that. It's behind you. Today's a new day. Today there's hope in Jesus. How many this morning all over this place could be honest with God as heads are bowed and eyes are closed and say, you know, if I died today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'd spend eternity with God, but I want to. How many would say that's me? Just put your hand up and put it right back down all over this place. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How many more? That's me. I want to know. I want to know that that even in this in the midst of my problems and my trials this morning, God suffered so much more than I did. Jesus came down and became man. He came down and, and, and suffered for me so that I could have salvation, so that I could have hope, so that I could have forgiveness. As we stand to our feet this morning, maybe you're here. And at some point in your life, whether it was a long time ago or a short time ago, you did say a prayer of salvation, but there's been some real mountains in your life lately, and those mountains have caused you to doubt. Those mountains have caused you to fear. Those mountains have caused you to go back to the way you used to think before. And today you need to come home to the realization that God has never left you. You left Him. His love has never ceased. No matter what you've done, He's never stopped loving you. He's in the same place waiting for you to come home. Today is the day you can come home. If that's you, we're going to pray this morning. that You can give your life back to the Lord. Right before we sing, all over this place, if you raise your hand for salvation or if you need to come home and get right with God today, I want to ask you just to step out of your seat real quick and just come stand right down here with me. I want to pray for you. If you just quickly step out. If, if you raised your hand this morning, just, just step on out. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Come on. Amen. Come on, Gene. Amen. I saw a few more hands go up. This isn't to embarrass you. The Bible says if I confess Jesus before man, he'll confess me before my Father in heaven make a public confession that I need Jesus, that I need salvation. Amen. I'm going to wait just a few more moments. Saints, pray with me that the devil would loose his hand off anybody in this place this morning that needs to make a decision for Christ and is, not, is afraid to step out. Listen, I tell you this morning, if you're afraid to step out in a church, how will you live for the Lord outside? How will you be bold outside? Maybe you're here and, and you're listening and, you're, and, you're, and, and the devil's lying to you and telling you, you don't need to go up there. You don't need to be saved. Saved from what? The Bible says that hell's a real place. There's eternity after we die. We're going to go to heaven or we're going to go to hell. We choose that. God does not want anybody to go to hell. But he says, if you reject my son, you reject me. The only way to get to the Father is through Jesus Christ. Why? Because he, he, he made the bridge. And that bridge is the cross. So this, this morning, I'm going to wait about 30 more seconds. I'm always able to walk out of church and know that I did my job, my part, my call to give you the opportunity. I can't make you choose Jesus. 
but he loves you this morning. Amen. He's going to touch your life this morning. He's going to change your life this morning. He's going to show you that he's real this morning. Amen. It's a, it's a personal choice. Amen. Let's all pray this morning. You didn't have to raise your hand, but if you're here and you know that something's not right today, you can make that choice. I want everyone in here to say this with me. The Bible says this is the prayer of salvation. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And I know that the wages of my sin is death. This morning, I seek forgiveness. I know there's a gift of life. You came down from heaven and became sin for me. While I was a sinner, you died for me. Jesus, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And because of that, I am saved. Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Take over. Be my master and my savior. Forgive me of all my sins and wash me clean in your precious blood. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's begin to sing that song, How Great Is Our God. We're going to open up the altars for a moment. Maybe you've got a mountain you need to speak to.